Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 26. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. From chapter 24 to 25, where we were last week, Are you listening? Chapter 24 through 25, we had a change of administration in Judea. We went from the administration change was from Governor Felix to Governor Festus. And the reason for the administration change, the reason for the change in governorship was that Felix, as we talked about, he was a bad governor. Felix was governing over the city of Caesarea, not to be confused with Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea, the seacoast city on the Mediterranean. And he was overseeing that city and he was a bad governor. I mean, he allowed violence, riots, women were being raped, pillaged. So Felix was a bad governor. And when Rome found out, about what was going on in the city of Caesarea, Rome decided to replace Governor Felix with Governor Festus. Now, when Governor Festus had come to office, Felix had left Festus with a mess in office. Say that three times. Felix left Festus with a mess. And largely the mess was, what were they going to do with this prisoner? His name was Paul. So Festus doesn't know what to do. Festus is new. Festus is green. He's not used to the political manipulation, the political maneuvering. He's not used to all that. He doesn't know what to do, so he gets King Agrippa involved. So then Festus decides, well, I need to question Paul. So he brings Paul in for questioning. He asked Paul, was he willing to go to Jerusalem to be questioned there? And Paul at this point, now remember, he's been in jail for two years. Paul is fed up with the whole system. Paul is disgusted. And Paul says, no, I, 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 I won't. I want to exercise my right to appeal unto Caesar. And it was at that time that Festus said, well, to Caesar you shall go. And so King Agrippa, remember we talked about it last week, were you with us? It was King Agrippa, Bernice, and Festus. They come into the amphitheater. The amphitheater is beautiful. I talked about it last week. We go there every time we go to Israel. And we have a Bible study there. In the amphitheater, the seats are facing this way, and the Mediterranean is out here. I showed you pictures of the Mediterranean. It's beautiful. And so thousands of people are gathered to hear Paul, King Agrippa, Bernice, Festus, 
They come in, the Bible says, with great pomp, P-O-M-P, pomp and pageantry. And they've got on their robes and they've got on their crowns and they come in to, to hear Paul. There's thousands of people gathered around. And all of a sudden, he in comes walking this little Jewish tent maker with a crooked nose and runny eyes and bald head, tattered and dirty clothes because he's been held captive for two years. And Paul comes walking in and he stands before them. And God, at this point, are you listening? At this point, God's got the whole Roman capital there as a captive audience to hear Paul to preach the gospel. Isn't that just like God? Paul had been on three missionary journeys, and I suspect that he was pretty tired by now. And God says, okay, I'll give you a rest. I'll, I'll put you in chains. They'll bring you before them to, for questioning And I'll have, God says, I'll have the whole Roman capital, the whole government in front of you, Paul. And I think that it was about this time that the Holy Spirit filled him. Because don't you remember what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, when you stand before governors and you stand before kings, he said, take no thought of what you shall say in that hour. Because in that hour, I will give you what to say. You don't have to think it up. Paul probably wasn't sitting there writing a sermon. Well, I better say this. I don't know. What am I going to say after that? Well, let me think about it. How's that verse go? I don't think that's what happened. I think Paul was standing there and the Holy Spirit began to fill him and began to give him the words that he needed to speak. Well, we talked about that last week. That's where we left off. Saints, we're going to pick up our study this morning. And I titled this sermon, Almost Doesn't Count. Acts chapter 26, beginning in verse 1, saints, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Then Agrippa, in verse 1, said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand, and he answered for himself, and he said, King, probably said all those who are here, I think myself happy. I absolutely love those words. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are an expert in the customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life in verse four. From my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know they knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise in verse seven, our 12 tribes underline that earnestly serving God night and day hope to attain And for this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought in verse 8? Would you underline verse 8? Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also in verse 10 did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death... Paul says in the Hebrew, pardon me, Greek language, he says, I threw in my pebble. I cast my vote 
And I punished them in verse 11, often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them even to fortified cities. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Everyone's gathered. Paul is present. Look at me. Paul is present. Everyone is gathered. King Agrippa then says, Paul, you may speak. The Bible says then that Paul stretched forth his hand, which is a sign of respect. And I love that about Paul. Because Paul was respectful, even though he had every right to be angry. He'd been in prison for two years and nobody's ever made a claim and justifiable against him. He had every reason to be disrespectful, but Paul was very respectful. And and he raised and stretched forth his hand, which was a sign of respect to the leadership that was present. And so Paul then stretches forth his hand and he says, King, I think myself happy today. Why? Because of one of three reasons. Number one, saints, if you're taking notes, Paul was happy because he had been in prison for two years, as I said, and he hasn't been able to be heard. And now he's going to have an opportunity to be heard. Secondly, Paul was happy because he was standing before someone who was familiar with the customs of the Jews. He was familiar with the Sadducees, familiar with the Pharisees, familiar with the Essenes. And so Paul was happy. And then thirdly, I think Paul was happy most of all because he had an opportunity to preach the gospel. And anytime Paul got an opportunity to preach the gospel, he was happy. So Paul was happy. And Paul says, King, I'm happy. King, be patient and listen for a while because this is going to take a minute. I love that about Paul. He was a true preacher. Be patient. This is going to take a minute. Paul says it's going to take a while. Then he goes on to say, notice he said, my life was spent among my own people. In Jerusalem, they know where I'm coming from, Paul says. If they would come and testify and tell the truth. Paul says, I lived a strict life, orthodox life of the Pharisees. I was very religious. And now I'm standing here being judged for the hope that every Jew has. And what is that hope? That hope is simply this, that someday, here's Paul's point, someday God is going to establish his kingdom. The hope is that God will bless the nation. The hope is that someday the Messiah will come and there will be a resurrection. Paul says, listen, the reason I am standing here is because I believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And by the way, this is the same promise, Paul would say, that the 12 tribes believed in and received night and day. You want to notice he doesn't say this is the promise that the two southern tribes have hope in. And if the other 10 tribes weren't lost, they would have the same hope. He does not say that. I bring that to your attention Because there are some folks, movements, that teach that Israel, that there are 10 lost tribes of Israel. If you've ever heard that, wave at me, would you? Oh, good, that's a number of you. That there's 10 lost tribes of Israel. Listen to me close. There are not 10 lost tribes of Israel. None of the tribes of Israel are lost. Why? Because God knows exactly where they are. What is this? 
God knows exactly where they are. God knows them by name. God knows where they live. You know, when we say, I know where you live, man. I know where you live. Well, God really knows where they live. God knows their name. And it's in the tribulation that God won't have any problem marking 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes on the forehead when God is ready. Amen, saints? There's no lost tribes, and they weren't lost in Paul's day, and they are not lost today. As a matter of fact, Paul says that they are earnestly seeking God day and night. And so Paul says, King Agrippa, you know your father was religious. And look at it again in verse 8. He says, why should it be thought an incredible thing to you that God is able to raise the dead? Why, King? Look at me, y'all. Agrippa, why do you think it's incredible that God can raise the dead? Paul is like... (laughs) You know, we just sang it this morning. Our God is what? If God is as awesome as we claim he is, if God is as powerful as we claim he is, which I believe he is, more than four people need to say amen. God is an awesome God. Amen. That's right. You might not know it, but he's showing you mercy right now. And therefore... That makes him an awesome God. God is an awesome God. Okay, fine. He's king. Why would you think it's an incredible thing that God could raise the dead? God is a powerful and awesome God. We know from Isaiah, as we studied the book of Isaiah, if you were with us, Isaiah, we pointed out that in the book of Isaiah and even in history and in science, as we can see, the Bible teaches us that God calculates the dust of the earth in measure. And God, he's so awesome. God weighs the mountains. God is so awesome. It is estimated, listen at this, it is estimated that the universe contains 40 billion galaxies and in each galaxy there are 100 billion stars of which God knows the name of every one of them. People come up to me, remember I met you last week? Remember my name? And I go, sorry. I'm not God. (laughs) God knows the names of a hundred billion stars. I'm just trying to put this in perspective for you in how great and awesome is our God. He really is. The Hubble telescope, get this, has found star clusters 11 million light years from the earth. A light year is 5.8 trillion miles. Quasars have been found 2 billion light years from the earth. It was Job chapter 26 verse 7. It says that God stretches out the north and he hangs the earth upon nothing. The Bible says that God hung the earth on nothing and then he sits on the circle of the earth. Don't y'all know that God knew the earth was round before folks found out? (laughs) They're trying to figure out something. God already got it figured out. If you would just read your Bible, you would learn a lot of stuff. God sits on the circle of the earth. And the Bible says that while he's sitting there, he looks down on us and he sees us as grasshoppers. 
King Agrippa, why do you think it is an incredible thing for God to raise the dead? We are talking about a big and awesome and mighty God. Listen, if God can do all of that, do you think that he could raise the dead? You think? If God can do all that, do you think he can pay your CP&L bill? Say amen. Of course he can. Because he's God. Because he is God. If God can create everything that we see, everything we see, everything that you see, you go to the ocean and you look at the ocean, how vast it is. And as far as you look, it just looks like it drops off. You go to the Grand Canyon, you've got that big hole in the dirt. You go to the mountains and they're like, oh, wow. And the Himalayas. And then Mount Hermon in Israel. And all around, everything that you see, God created it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning, God. Stop right there. In the beginning, God. I'm going to say that again in case you were asleep. In the beginning, Now, look, if you can handle Genesis 1-1, then you can handle everything else in the Bible. Well, I just can't believe a man lived inside a whale. That seems impossible. A whole Egyptian army was drowned in the Red Sea. Fooey. I don't even know where Fooey came from. I have no idea. What was was that? I haven't said that and God knows I'm dating myself now. I told y'all I've been 26 for 20 years, (laughs) and uh, I can't believe all these miracles in the Bible. No, I can't believe it. Listen, you believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God? Yeah. Well, then why can't you handle the rest of the Bible? If you can believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, then why do you think it an incredible thing that God can do anything? Because he's a God who can do anything. And Paul says, King Agrippa, this is the God I'm trying to tell you about, a God that can do anything. And then Paul goes on to say, notice in your Bibles in verse 10, Paul says, I did many things contrary to the name of Jesus. And I went around wasting and imprisoning the saints. Do you see that in verse 10? The saints. You see that? If you're taking notes, you write this in in your margin. The word saint means separated ones. The word saint is the Greek word hagiazo. It means sanctified ones or separated ones. Now, listen, saints are not little statues that you people have in churches or that you put on your dashboard. Now, if you're from a Catholic background, you know what I'm saying. Saints aren't little statues in churches and little figurines on your dashboard. The Bible says, listen closely, who's a saint? The Bible says if you are saved and you've been born again, then you are a saint. And if you are not saved and you have not been born again, then you are ain't. <laughs> you understand? Say amen if you understand. Okay, because look, 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 look. The Bible keeps it nice and simple and clean and clear because I don't get it. You know, there's two classes of people on the earth. There are saints and there are, you guessed it, ain'ts. You either a saint or you a what? Ain't. Can you believe you came to church to learn that? It's amazing what you can get out of church. There's saints and there are, and listen, there's no super saints either. Because I know when I first became a Christian, I thought some people were super saints. 
And they were just deep and holy. You know, I went to a church. I'm learning to be a little more politically, a little more correct because I'm on radio. I went to a church. And, and, and there was all the deep saints. Deep, 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 child, deep. <laughs> they were deep. They were, and you see them walking around the church. They were just holy. And it's like, <sighs> how you doing today? Fine, Hallelujah. They've been sucking on lemons for Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like, I, I was like, man, are there super saints? I mean, you know, they're going to bust out, you know, super saints, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? You know, and I, I used to think there were some people more holy than others. Listen, in God's eyes, in God's spiritual economy, you know Jesus, you are a saint, period. There's no super saints. There's no deeper life club. Card-carrying member of the Deeper Life Club. No. I praise God for that. Because everybody's on equal footing at the cross. You understand that? I'll wait. Go ahead. I'll wait. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. Everybody's the same. Nobody's more spiritual than anybody else. Nobody gets priority treatment in the kingdom. There's no RSVP, there's no ballet parking in the kingdom. Somebody say amen. Everybody's the same. I love that. I love that. I love that about this church. Everybody's the same. Nobody's super anything. Paul says, Mom, stop laughing. <laughs> Paul says, hey. Paul says, I remember when I persecuted the saints. You know, as you study the Bible and you study the book of Acts, you can see that Paul never forgot the fact that he persecuted the saints. The fact that he killed many of our brothers and sisters. And I suspect, and maybe a little sanctified imagination here, I suspect that when Paul gets to heaven and he sees some of those saints that he persecuted and that he killed, he's probably going to walk up to them and say, I'm sorry, I did that in ignorance. I didn't know. Paul says, I persecuted the saints. Well, pray for me. Look at verse 12. Y'all praying for me? Please pray. I got to cover this whole chapter. Look at verse 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. And thus, and while thus occupied, Paul goes on to share his testimony. Remember, he's standing before King Agrippa, Bernice, and all of these people. And while, and he goes on to say, and while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, he says, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. Paul says, this is what happened to me. It was shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Note this, me. Jesus said, me, not why are you persecuting the church or the saints. Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you. Here's why Jesus appeared to Paul to make you a minister. And to make you a witness of both those things which you have seen and of those things which I will yet reveal to you. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. And I've also saved you that you might open their eyes. 
in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, that they may receive an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And Paul says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should note the saints repent, turn to God and do works that are befitting of repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and they tried to kill me, Paul said. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand. I obtained help from God. And to this day, I stand. Man, you can't stand it without God's help. Witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses would, would, would come, said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And now in verse 24, as he had thus made his defense, Festus said, notice he cried out, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning has made you crazy. In the Greek language, it says, Paul, you are one fry short of a happy meal. It's there. Go read it. Much learning has driven you mad. But he said, I'm not crazy, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.